back to the Corbett Report radio show here on Republic Broadcasting Network at republicbroadcasting.org. Thank you for taking time to tune in tonight. Today is February 11, 2012. It's midnight here on the East Coast, and I'm your guest host, Richard Grove, broadcasting from the Tragedy and Hope Studios in Connecticut. James is on assignment for Global Research TV tonight. Well, he's been gone all week if you've been listening. And he's asked me to entertain you for this evening's journey, leading you on your way into all things related to cognitive liberty. If you're not familiar with my work, as juxtaposes to James' contributions to the Info War, you can visit tragedyhope.com, and there's a post on the front page which gives the links and notes and outline for tonight's show. Tonight I'm joined by Paul Verge of Divergent Films Canada, connected via Skype as well as my in-studio research team, consisting of Lisa Arbacheski and Tony Myers. And we'll be working together to assemble some of the most important components toward gaining a comprehensive understanding of life and liberty so that you can pursue and attain happiness. Paul, are you there? I sure am, Rich. <laughs> Good evening. How is it on the West Coast? Uh, things are going quite well in my neck of the woods, other than, you know, keeping up to date with the usual shenanigans going on. Uh, yeah, personally, things are great, but it's working hard and keeping it going. Well, the reason I wanted to get the team together tonight is because James had uh, assigned us a little task of trying to bring things together and present people with uh, some streams of thought that lead to solutions to some of the problems that we're facing uh, as human beings. These things that we have in common our problems, that's the reason we're all tuned in, and that's the reason we're all researching and trying to figure this out on a Friday night. Uh, those problems also have solutions, and we're trying to figure out how to get from A, point A, where we have these problems, to point B, where we have the solutions. And over the years, we've kind of discovered that it's a process of learning that has to be done by individuals, and we were hoping to share some of those necessary components with the audience tonight in a somewhat... Uh, I don't know, organized manner, what would you say, Paul? Yeah, somewhat organized. I think we have a good flow of what we want to talk about. One thing I wanted to mention before we get started, because I know this, uh, this first segment is a short one, uh, I posted a, a blog on the front of the tragedyandhope.com website. So if you're listening, you'd like to uh, look at the links, notes, anything that, uh, that we mention during this conversation, if it's not up there already, we'll be posting uh, all the notes and anything that we have uh, to say afterwards uh, back to the, the website, and that should help you navigate as we talk about some things that you might not be familiar about, familiar with, rather. Well, uh, we'll also be doing a fundraiser tonight for James, uh, since he's in his absence, and I'll be explaining that probably coming up after this first break. So hang tight, and we'll be right back here on RBN. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to the Corbett Report. That was a short advertising break. Thanks for hanging out. We were getting to the point where we were going to talk about the fundraiser aspect of tonight's uh, broadcast for James in his absence. Uh, we here at Tragedy and Hope just completed a new film project called The Ultimate History Lesson, a weekend with John Taylor Gatto. It's a comprehensive five-hour interview that's available, and what we're doing is offering a special Patriot bonus pack that will come with the DVD set, the five DVDs, plus a MP3 DVD ROM that has an additional 16-plus hours of commentary and analysis on what John is teaching. And so uh, for every 
person who uses the coupon code RBN Corbett Report, and this is all linked in these, uh, the, the post on tragedyandhope.com on the front page for your convenience. Everyone who purchases one of those, we're going to be sending a commission to James, $15 of each sale, to help support Corbett Report. So we're not asking you to donate and throw money over the wall. I know many people listen, uh, do the 100 yen per month as I do, but we were just thinking about what we could do in James's absence to help stimulate and, uh, proliferate his ability to continue pumping out these massive components of truth uh, in his various ways. So anyone who's interested in supporting, you can go to tragedyandhope.com, check the post on the homepage, and it's got the link there with the coupon code, so you don't have to do a lot of memorizing. Well, Paul, uh, we were getting back into this idea of focusing on solutions to the problems that we face as human beings, and we have, in our work over the years, discovered this aspect of learning, this essential key of being able to understand, outgrow our fear, get real self-confidence, and get from point A to point B, you know, getting things done efficiently. And what we've discovered as uh, a result of working together as a team and not, you know, trying to just do it all ourselves is, uh, well, uh, <laughs> we discovered a lot of things that are very necessary for people to kind of internalize but aren't being pervade by the public school system, and they're not being advertised on corporate media and news shows and these sort of things. So I think that's why we all got together as people who were interested in noticing things going on in a research community and started to produce media of our own to try to complement the other tools that we were finding useful and to kind of fill in the blanks where uh, we saw something lacking, right? And so it's all about working together and figuring out it's not, uh, it's not, we're not alone in this. I mean, that, that was the thing I got from it, from being a, a whistleblower is, uh, one day back in 2006, I got a note from this guy, Paul Verge. Six years later, we find ourselves on a, a radio show together. What's going on in between? We've had to ask a lot of questions, and during the way, we had to learn a consistent method to find valid answers. What do you have to say about that, Paul? Well, I think it's a, a testament to the fact that when we're looking into things, instead of just accepting the surface answer, uh, we tend to try and identify what the root cause is, trying to dig down deep and figure out, you know, the real truth, because the truth is often buried uh, underneath a lot of layers of, you know, crap or, or BS or lies or fallacies or deception. And because most people um, happen to believe things that aren't true, they buy into these deceptions and one of the things that I resonated with when I first heard your Project Constellation was that you were cutting right through a lot of the BS, but you're actually showing how it's pervade, right? And, you know, once we got on the, the, the trivium critical thinking kind of train of thought in the last couple of years, it's clarified things to an even greater degree where we're approaching things with such degrees of certainty that we're able to take, you know, these nuggets of truth we've unearthed and organize them into a collective, cohesive, comprehensive curriculum that people can absorb and enjoy. And, you know, we're learning that message in a more appealing and persuasive way while still maintaining our integrity. So, you know, in the six years that I've known you, I've watched both of us grow as artists, as filmmakers, as writers, and as learners. So I'm just happy to be here on the show with you. Now, uh, I think this goes for anyone in the audience. None of us, when we were growing up and going to school and planning out our future, ever thought that we would need to spend our Friday nights like this, trying to learn the things that we should have been taught in, during the 15,000 hours of public schooling in the first place, right? 
And so what we discover slowly but surely is we're indoctrinated through a system. We adopt many beliefs before we discover how to actually identify knowledge for ourselves. And that sets us up for a big fall when we get out into the real world. Now, I didn't hit that for several years, but when I hit it, that wall hit me pretty hard. And when I realized that the anomalies that I was witnessing were not accidental and that when I went to, you know, uh, groups that I thought were authorities and could rectify these sort of things, I found out that those authorities were no such thing, that they were actually part and parcel of the massive schemes being carried out. So as part of going through my cognitive dissonance and trying to figure out and discern what is the illusion that's being cast and what is the reality, you know, I started working in corporate America, and then I become a whistleblower, and then I'm noting all these corporate connections to the events of 9-11 and, and seeking valid answers to my questions, and then therein you discover the lack of integrity in public schooling and in the corporate cartel media. Now, I think this is where listeners you know, can relate to this. Then we all start going on the Internet. We start looking through websites and, and listening to radio shows and watching videos, and we're presented with this cascade of just catastrophic information, and we're not sure how to tell what, what's real and what's not. There's very compelling stories out there by someone named... Sorsha Fall, but when Paul and I looked into the identity of, of this character on the Internet and these stories that seemed to just give you all these good facts and then leave you with this red herring fact that, that changes the whole story, we discovered that, there, you know, the, the reporter known as Sorsha Fall is, is nothing of the sort. And you can't, therefore, take information from people who are adopting pseudo-identities to play psychological warfare games. And this is part of the reason that we fo started focusing in on, on learning and the words we use, because we figured that if everyone's being deceived and lied to, well, how are lies told? They're told through words, right? And so if we start analyzing and understanding our own language better than the people who are lying, well, then we could have an advantage, right? And then, you know, uh, what I did back in 2004 was I, I found this guy, uh, Alex Jones, and he's talking about all this stuff, and he's got all these movies, so I watch all his movies, and I'm listening to the show, but I'm still not really convinced because what you're getting every day is kind of, well, it's, it's reactive to the news that's going on in the world and it's not set up as a curriculum. So then I started doing more research for myself and then, you know, doing things like uh, reading books that aren't in Barnes & Noble or, you know, being purveyed at any of these corporate mass market uh, stores that only sell new books. So... I, I noticed the trend that as I got deeper and deeper into research, I was getting further and further away from what was easily available to people and discovering great alternative news sources and radio stations. And I think it was back in November of 2006 that I was first on RBN on, on John Statmuller's show. So over the years, there's definitely an evolution from listening on one side of the radio to doing your own research to then trying to communicate what you've learned and then eventually to producing your own media and trying to fill in, uh, you know, the solutions in the best way that you can. And I think that's what we've tried to do over the past years with the, the podcasts and the, the films we've created. But what we've stumbled onto in the last couple of years has been, well, I think a catalyst to our learning because I feel like I've learned more in the, the last six months than in the last six years and probably more in the last two years than I have in my whole life, you know, because – what you think you, the school kind of indoctrinates us into thinking that we have learned something without actually going out and sensing it, 
verifying it, understanding it, and making it our own. And we're, we're taught in this fragmented way that makes us very easily manipulable, wouldn't you say, Paul? Uh, yeah, I would have to agree that we were, we're already malleable to begin with, so each additional year of schooling adds an additional layer of conditioning that you kind of have to shed off over time, right? And that's why so many people rebel naturally. But, you know, it, when once you kind of see through the layers that have been cast on you and you have some form of critical thinking to kind of see through all, all that's been inflicted, I guess you could call it, then it allows you to just shed it without a huge emotional tie to it because you, you realize it, it's, you know, it's just a construct to begin with, right? The schooling is put in place to create a, a certain type of person, a certain obedient worker, I guess you could say. And, you know, if, you, if you're going to resist that, you've got to have some kind of intellectual self-defense that allows you to go, wait, this, this isn't the way it's supposed to be, and then start sharing the information that's that's changed your perspective. And even if people don't agree with you, at least they can you can bounce reality off each other and have a and have a, a methodology that allows you to communicate with them compassionately and and basically build each other up. Right? You're trying to build bridges with people to to join your understanding together rather than you know stabbing them with facts and hoping that they'll uh, figure it out. We'll continue that thought after this next break on Corbett Report Radio here on RBN. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Thanks for hanging in there tonight. It's now Saturday morning. That's weird. But most of the rest of the country is still Friday night. But for here, for those of us here on the East Coast, it's... Uh, Saturday morning, and it's already been Saturday, I think, for several hours if James was still in Japan. We're talking about the major problems that are facing everybody, all these things that we have in common that gives us a reason to get together and try to solve these problems together. And that's how I first came upon this gentleman named Paul Verge, who's on the other end of this line in Vancouver. And that's how I came to know James Corbett and James Evan Pilato and Jan Urban, several other of the magnificent independent podcast hosts that we work with at Tragedy and Hope because we realize that none of us has the time to be everywhere at once. And I don't have the time to do all the things that Corbett does every week as far as aligning this news, and I don't, you know, have the time to do what Pilato does. So we each kind of thrive and grow off of listening to each other's work. I couldn't go through a, a week of doing what I do without internalizing the outputs of the others that, that I respect who I see using methodologies of critical thinking and people who are interested in not buying into the hype and actually finding out what's going on, where does the rubber meet the road, how do we get some traction in these situations, and most importantly, how do we get out of this this ditch and back onto the road uh, to life and liberty in this country. So, uh, Paul, what, in your opinion, are some of the major problems pressing humanity, things that are common to everybody, to our needs as human beings? Wow, that's uh, a pretty big thing to tackle. But uh, essentially, I don't know, I guess you could call it, would you call it the philosophic corruption of reality? We just we just can't distinguish what's fact and what's fiction, and that leaves us in a big cloud of uncertainty. Well, I think that's definitely, uh, if you want to get to the root cause and put a name on it, that's probably what we could call it, because 
what I what I saw years ago when I looked across all these alternative news networks were problems. Everyone's talking about the problems. There's uh, chemtrails and there's your water being poisoned with fluoride. And, uh, you know, any time that, uh, that Tony, at least you want to chime in here, but the, the point is that our, we have basic needs of food, air, water, security, rest, uh, and, and what have you, these, these basic needs of Maslow's hierarchy, and we're not taught to satisfy those needs at an early age, and thus we become dependent on authority figures to provide all these things for us. And that's really an artificial self, sense of self-esteem, and I think that's one of the root causes. Go ahead, Tony. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, I was going to say one of the problems that they that's presented, obviously, that's been alluded to already, is the fact that we're presented with so many facts, especially once you start going down and start searching for yourself to find some sort of truth in this world. And obviously, we go to the alternative news networks that are already available to us. Many times, Alex Jones, and we turn to different documentaries that might wake us up. Uh, you know, we can think of many of them. But at this point, like all of a sudden, you're barraged, you know, with the tons of facts and all, the, you know. Where do you go from there? What type of, how do you discern fact from fiction and get back to this idea? Like, what, what, essentially, because our brains kind of naturally recognize these patterns, right? We start seeing and putting some names together with some events, but we can't put together that concept. But your brain senses that the toxic level is building up, all these problems. And I think at some point, the, the level of intake of all these problems starts to naturally generate the questions in our mind. If we haven't asked them already as a function of watching documentaries on these different point products or projects or, or points of interest or however you want to see it, right? Because uh, fluoride is a product. Even though it's a toxic chemical to human beings, someone figured out, and that's the power of marketing, someone figured out how to take these toxic things, whether it's BPA or fluoride or aspartame, all these different subject areas that you might hear on an episodal you know, radio show, but not really get to sink your teeth into. And more importantly, it's not a component that you can necessarily hand to friends and family and try to credibly inform them. And that's why in working with people like James Corbett and James Evan Pilato, uh, I find that New World Next Week, these are nice little components that you can hand around to people and try to go in and say, look, you know, here's some of the news that I was looking at this week and it's not necessarily my opinion, but these are just a couple of the stories and perspectives that you're not getting on the corporate cartel news networks. And I think that's important because once you start to realize the, the, the figurative toxicity in our own minds by just being filled up with problems and not given a method to solve our problems, and then the, the, the literal toxicity of our world, how everything's being poisoned uh, all over the planet, it's not just to, to one group of people, and then there's the entire eugenics agenda. Now, this, you know, all of this philosophy of our predators, people who think it's okay to plunder from people who produce, these are not new problems. And it seems like society's been fighting this same cycle for thousands and thousands of years. And the cycle works something like this. Aristocrats create governments to collect taxes to fund aristocrats, to make more governments, to collect more taxes, and that seems to be a recurring loop. So, oh, well, so that was a short segment. We will be right back in a few minutes, and we will be getting deeper into some of these common problems, and then we'll get into how to solve these problems and how to use a method to add value to your life in a real way. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio here on RBN. Right before the break, we were talking about 
some of the problems that are, you know, applicable to pretty much everybody are, we know and ourselves. Uh, in addition to meeting our needs, we also heard the advertisement about the healthcare industry. That's another need that we have, uh, you know, no method to meet ourselves and thus we become very dependent on other people to know how our bodies work. I mean, it doesn't make very much sense if you were trying to look at this objectively and design an education system that we wouldn't be taught to the nth degree and given all the resources to be self-reliant and autonomous in our health care. However, when you take a look at the intent and purpose uh, of our society, it doesn't seem like America continues to be land of the free, home of the brave for a reason. We have grown uh, insensitive to other people. We've lost our compassion and empathy because we are always in a mode of scarcity. And all these artificial fears that are burdened upon us can be easily resolved, but if they're not resolved, we really become highly malleable, predictable, and end up fulfilling the dreams of all the wrong people, in my opinion. Uh, so, uh, once again, we're joined by Paul Verge. We also heard from Tony Myers in that last segment. And I think this is the point where we get into the idea of philosophy as a crisis management and risk mitigation system that we all need to help us make informed decisions, but it's something that's definitely not stressed in the public school system. So I'd like to address this topic of solipsism, the belief that there is no objective truth, and it is this root cause belief that allows people to do the worst things imaginable, and it allows certain other people to sit around and watch it and kind of condone it and cheer it on as, as it goes on. So, uh, Tony, what, what would you say about solipsism? Is there a danger in people not believing in objective reality? I don't know if you wake up in the morning and breathe and have to use the bathroom and have to cook your food, if there's a cause and effect to everything you do with how you build out your life and recognize existence, then I would say uh, that can be a pretty poisonous worldview if you go about denying all those basic functions that you already take for granted as a part of your perception and awareness, right? And uh, when you put it in that perspective, you know, it's interesting that what the schooling system is really designed to, you to make an allusion back to what you said earlier, the power of marketing or the magic of marketing, right? Well, that's really just perception management. And so uh, if you can control uh, or mold young minds at an early age and uh, control the perceptions, control what they come, how they use language and how they come to develop language, you can essentially control their minds because you keep them in a continual uh, thought pattern that they can't break out of. They don't, they don't have the lexicon to break through to other uh, realities that might exist, realities that used in the term that uh, more of dif different concepts, different ways of looking at reality, different ways of understanding reality, different ways of putting facts together and recognizing these patterns that do exist and that we can actually uh, understand them and cause and affect reality, that there is an objective truth, and to bring it back to what solipsism is. And there's all these intellectual systems of management, right, these isms out there. And it's really just a corruption of the fact that they believe that the, your mind is all that exists, essentially. And, that you, in fact, you create your own reality just from the fact that your physical mind is creating that reality in the first place, so it's kind of an equivocal statement on your own brain. But on the fact that what's ironic about any form of the system, intellectual system management, this one being solipsism, is that it falls under kind of the idea of epistemology. What's this fancy word, epistemology? Well, it's just how do we know the reality we experience, right? And that's just using our five senses and observing it and building out from that our contextual awareness and our conceptual awareness. And uh, solipsism essentially denies any of those functions uh, uh, incorporated and have an integrative function in our own understanding. Uh, you essentially create your own reality. So, uh, so through the various Peace Revolution podcast episodes, we've traced this poisonous philosophy 
that's transcended all these generations over millennia, going, you know, going all the way back to Plato, but really manifesting itself in modern-day Germany, what was then Prussia in the 19th century, uh, through a couple of different philosophers whose work was then used to create what we now know as the education, the school system. It's really not an education system. The school system's all about conformity and adjusting young, young children. And who are they adjusted by? They're adjusted by the older adults. The same older adults who send young people off to wars. But I digress. So this idea of solipsism, that there is no objective truth, that you can negate cause and effect and thereby make any arbitrary, non-substantial entity into a truth. It, it makes truth into what strong people say it is. So coming through pr Prussia, after Prussia has been schooled out of you know its own self-thinking, you have an ism that pops up. So let's use a practical example of solipsism in the, in the case of the 20th century phenomena of Nazism. Now, Nazism, when you investigate why we're all taught in public schooling that Nazis were very evil. So when you get down to it, what caused that evil? Was there a person in control? Was Hitler really the bad guy? Well, what you find out is it was that nobody was in control. It's a philosophy, a corruption of philosophy that was in control. People's beliefs were out of hand because they had no method to check it against reality and to remove the contradictions. So, Paul, from your perspective in witnessing the Zimbardo experiment, uh, the, you know, the Stanford Prison experiment, the Milgram experiment data, all these sort of things that show that two-thirds of Americans could, you know, who are two-thirds of Americans who are otherwise honest, upstanding people can be turned into murderers. Uh, these experiments demonstrating the Amtsprache fallacy, the, the bureaucrat speak, where you can take away someone else's humanity using words. Do you have a comment on that? Well, yeah, I think it's a, it's a result, it's a symptom of when people outsource their critical thinking and their sense of self-responsibility. Because the whole idea of solipsism is, is a philosophy that allows people to externalize responsibility. So that because they're creating their own reality, there is no uh, consequences for their actions, and, and thus people live in this kind of delusional bubble reality where cause and effect don't exist, but yet the problems build up. And so the more people who subscribe to that belief, who refuse to take responsibility for their problems, the more it becomes this weight around society and all the, the resulting uh, drains that we see in society end up being, you know, at least bubbling up from the root, being caused by this... Uh, yeah, abdication of self-responsibility. And people becoming potential murderers, it's really because they, sub they subject themselves to authority, right? They externalize. It's actually personhood has, has introduced this idea of putting a barrier between you and responsibility, this just entity that can absorb the responsibility and you're no longer culpable. And so people under that guise, this illusion of authority, are willing to murder or, you know, commit... Uh, atrocious acts upon people because someone else told them to do it. And so there's a huge problem with that. People need to learn that independence is uh, key. Well, and I think, uh, you know, some of the tools that we've used to help articulate and, and flesh these out ourselves is through fellow media producers like uh, Mark Passio, for instance, or Larkin Rose. I'd like to read a small quote, a brief quote, out of Larkin Rose's Most Dangerous Superstition book. Larkin was a guest on Corbett Report Radio, I think, a week or two ago, uh, follower of his work, uh, big fan of the fallacy of authority and rooting it out in our society. So here's the quote. It says, Frederick, Doug 
Frederick Douglass, a former slave, witnessed and described the exact phenomenon among his fellow slaves, many of whom were proud of how hard they worked for their masters and how faithfully they did what they were told. From their perspective, a runaway slave was a shameful, a shameful thief, having stolen himself from the master. And so the quote that Douglass said that I thought was so profound that I had to highlight it and put a red flag on this page was, quote, I've found that to make a contented slave, it is necessary to make a thoughtless one. It is necessary to darken his moral and mental vision and, as far as possible, to annihilate the power of reason. He must be able to detect no inconsistencies in slavery. He must be made to feel that slavery is right, and he can be brought to that only when he ceases to be a man. So, this idea that <clears throat> some people are created more equal than others, uh, I think it's the Orwell quote from Animal Farm that uh, some animals are created more equal than others. Uh, this idea that the divine rights of kings has existed for thousands of years, and right alongside it, there's the works of Aristotle, but the you know the euphemism popularized by John Dulles or Alan Dulles was that uh, people don't read. Well, I think it's just the opposite. I think people read a lot. I think they read all the time. They're reading signs. They're reading things. They're believing what they read all the time, and that's really the issue. The fact that literacy is a form of slavery until critical thinking and reason is exercised by the mind of the reader. And I think teaching children to read and not giving them the tools of intellectual self-defense is, is indicative of the fact that the predators, our natural predators, created our schooling system, control the corporate media that we consume and think is truth, and we're making our decisions and investing and, you know, putting putting futures together for our children and all these different things, sending them to college so they can be indentured slaves. So what is it when we see the news every week and you've got someone like Bill Gates who can say, well, he's going to lower the population using vaccines and, He's got a family history of, of eugenics, and he's working with Monsanto and investing in them, and he's investing in chemtrails, and Monsanto's investing in patents for aluminum-resistant sorghum. And there's all these things going on, but the average person, it escapes them because it's not being presented to them directly on a platter, and they're, therefore they're not really doing the observation to, to think for themselves to get it. And I think that's part of the brilliance of what James does, uh, not only through Corbett Report, but now through all these other productions he started in the last six months, all these components of bringing the irony and what he's what he's doing. What he's doing is he's just juxtaposing reality to the illusion, and that's that's where we learn to compare and contrast and to form ratios. And this is the origin of reason and rational thinking. So if that's the thing that they want to destroy in everybody to make them a slave, shouldn't we all be a little bit more concerned with? how our minds work, how we use our senses to perceive data, form concepts from the perceptions that we get into our senses, how we remove contradictions, and most importantly, how we can constructively and cogently communicate with other people. And these are some skills that I've learned from working with Paul and James and James Pilato and Jan Irvin and a number of people who you know, provide those keys. It's the it's the non-obvious keys to reality that we're all looking for. It's like, 
what is this thing? Well, it's not going to be printed in a book. It's a realization that you're going to have juxtaposed to media or some sort of input or stimulus that you're consuming. And so I think what we're all trying to do is to bring these ideas together and to, to put them, at, you know, uh, we, we call it a website, but really it's a portal for all this in, independent information that is referenced and sourced and footnoted uh, to the nth degree. So what we saw lacking was credible components of information that you could hand around to, you know, people who aren't aware of these things and things that can uh, help them expand their attention span. Because, for instance, uh, Paul, I, I would hope you'd have a comment on this. What would happen to people if, you take away their ability to plan effectively and make informed decisions. Well, then they're just left in a big cloud of uncertainty, and they'll they'll tend to panic and uh, react irrationally, and then that gets them into even more trouble, which then exacerbates the original condition, and it's just symptoms piled on top of symptoms. I mean, it sounds like a formula to create a, a nation of wage slaves. I mean, you, you provide them with inaccurate information. You get them to go make a bunch of investments or decide on you know, places of employment, never fully realizing a comprehensive picture because the world is its one big place. There's all, the, all the divisions that we think about, even words themselves, are artificial divisions made by our mind. The world is continuous, and we are never brought up to think of it in a continuous way. We're always brought up to think about it in a compartmentalized way, and when you realize how they would run uh, a secret project like the Manhattan Project or, or any of these NASA missions and whatnot, they compartmentalize everyone to the nth degree so no one can see what anyone else is doing, right? And I think it's our jobs to stand up and to look over these little artificial walls made of words that they've built around us to control us and to really start to apply our, our nature-given potential, because there's no need to invoke any any religious or political deities to use logic and reason to see that there is a fundamental proof that shows that non-aggression is logical and reasonable, and when people use force, fraud, aggression, and coercion, that is the epitome of irrationality. Now, if I had to define a, an organization whose job it was to use force, fraud, and coercion to violate people's rights... I would have to say that's the fallacy of authority or, or the notion that there is a thing called government. Because when you look at your rights, your rights aren't something on a, on a piece of paper written down by the founding fathers. Your rights don't exist on a piece of paper. Your rights exist in you every time you take a breath. And as long as you have a breath on this earth, no one can ever take away your rights. And that brings me to a recent publication by Russell Means, because when I heard Russell, it's a welcome to the reservation, it's an InfoWars uh special report, uh, Russell says at one point that they were all convinced, I mean, he still says this now, that they took away our rights. And that's that's just a kind of a crazy idea. No one can ever take away your rights. Your rights exist because of cause and effect and in existence and basic tenets of objective reality, right? These are observations. These are derivatives of what exists. And so no one can take that away because they can't make it not exist. They can kill you. But to take your rights away in your mind is like the cruelest type of slavery for people to think that their rights are dependent on a piece of paper. Yes, they're memorialized on a piece of paper, but the founding fathers thought those things were like, they went without saying they were so obvious. Little did they realize that we were on a course uh, about 20 years after that to be strategically dumbed down. And not just in America, they've exported this education system uh, around the world. So, Paul... What do you think uh, some of the concepts or consequences that we can learn from
from the Zimbardo experiments, the Milgram experiments, these experiments that show that people innately have uh, an adverse reaction to authority insofar as they will capitulate and give up their own life and liberty to please uh, an illusory uh, belief. Well, I think it's been proven time and time again that the more dumbed down a population is, the more out of whack they are with the first principles like non-coercion, non-aggression, and non-force, the more likely they are to capitulate uh, their you know, uh, decision-making to some someone who claims authority, whether it's a doctor, a lawyer, a cop, uh, a politician, whoever, right? There's a lot of people, you know, who share a psychopathic tendency who are lining up to claim some form of authority over you. And government is like this pool of mafia gangs in different agencies that exercise their authority. Like, you have people, like, like the FDA or the, or um, this, this, <laughs> the IRS, who, you know, their functions, even with criminality, it's all white collar, right? It's all to do with money. But they still arm these people. They still, com- you know, conduct SWAT raids. So you have to examine the disproportionate amount of force used for, for the crimes and realize that it's completely irrational. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Corporate Report Radio. Welcome back to Corporate Report Radio on this Saturday morning. We were talking about the total war that is being waged against everybody, and that's not just an idea that was made up by Karl Clausewitz back in the 1800s, but it's also this phenomenon that it's not just carried on in the battlefield. The idea of total war is that every possible way to strike your opponent is being exercised. And that's really what we discover, and, and, you know, as you go through this journey of discovery of going through all this alternative media, that's what you find out is going on, that they're attacking your immune system, they're attacking your food, they're attacking at every possible angle. And the only defense we have against it is our capacity to formulate comparison and contrast, to remove contradictions from our logic, and to be able to use reason as the intellectual self-defense that is called for in these situations. Also, before the break, Paul had mentioned uh, this notion about, uh, you know, government and authority uh, and this indoctrination system, and it brought up uh, this quote that I remember Brett Vinod of the School Sucks podcast uh, laying out. It's almost a, almost a joke. Uh, what's the difference between the government and the mafia? Well, and the, the punchline is the mafia doesn't have a 12-year indoctrination system to convince you that it's not organized crime. And that's really where we find ourselves. We find ourselves in the midst of, the epitome of organized crime. I mean, it's not just the bailouts, and it's not just all the corporate pollution, but it's the fact that while we're all running around trying to find out who's at the top of the pyramid, who's the most powerful, who's really in control, what you'll discover is that there is no one in control. You're asking the question, who, and you need to find what exists before you ask that question because the, the question, who, assumes something exists there. What you find is there's a corruption of ph- philosophy, a philosophic corruption of reality, and if you take out any of these people in the superclass, let's say if they were just magically removed, uh, the 6,000 people that run the, the superclass, according to David Rothkopf of the CFR, uh, you, what, what you'd find is there's a whole other layer of people who are just chomping at the bit to take over those positions because they have likewise adopted this corrupt philosophy that might makes right, that it's okay to make up truth, and truth is whatever strong people say it is. Uh, this is all covered again in the uh, the ultimate history lesson my shameless pitch to raise some money for James tonight 
the links on tragedyandhope.com website under uh, the recent post for Friday Night Live on Core Report. So these things that we've covered through our podcast, through our films, uh, it's not just to, to hear ourselves talk. This is the output of years and years of studious research and learning the hard way, getting up and, and falling down and getting up again. Uh, it's the persistence despite resistance that I think has really led us to the fruits of this labor, which are so easily shared, but that's what we find. The biggest problem we now face is not figuring out what's going on or how to handle it. It's getting the word out to other people, and how can we strategically use all the, the tools on the Internet at our disposal to kind of get this out there. So uh, I guess that's going to wrap up our show for tonight. I'd like to thank James for, uh, for asking me to guest host and RBN for providing this magical service so we can talk to people all over the planet. If you are interested in anything you heard tonight, check out tragedyandhope.com. Everything's free there. You can download, listen, watch, and then support us in the community. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy your weekend.